Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. everybody that's been serving today. Thank you, worship team, for, for singing your guts out over and over and over and over. That's awesome. And um, thank you, Stacey, for making my words sound really amazing while I'm doing this. That's really cool. Um, I just want to give a hand to all the people that are serving. They're not here right now, but all the people serving in kids next door. Let's just give them a hand. That's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, if this isn't your home church and you're looking for a way you can drop off your kids and go get an hour on a date, I, you just found it. Um, kidding. Not kidding. Um, the best thing about Easter is this, is that the message of Easter is that Jesus Christ did not just die for your sins, but he was buried and rose again with power to conquer the consequences of sin, the power of sin, death, hell, and the grave. He is victorious, and that's the best thing about Easter. Amen. When I was a kid, I always thought the best thing about Easter was like the Easter eggs, the chocolate eggs. Do you remember? The Cadbury, I thought that was the best thing. My family, we didn't get the Cadbury ones. We just got like the hollow chocolate eggs that are... I remember at school, I was in probably kindergarten or first grade, some kids were talking about like the best Easter candy that ever existed. Like it's the best. It's the most amazing Easter candy you could get anywhere. And, and I, I wanted to get my hands on this Easter candy. It just looked so amazing and exciting. And uh, I asked my mom for some and she's like, no, you're not gonna get that. We're not, we're not doing that in this house, you know. Anybody, anybody else, your mom, like she gave you like carrots and celery instead. That was, <laughs> come on, mom. So I, I had a paper route, so I, I uh, saved up some money for my paper route, and I went to the store, and I bought my very own Easter candy, and it was the most amazing Easter candy that they make. It's like, if you, if you could put the devil in a candy, it's this. It, it, was, it was the worst. It was the biggest letdown of my poor little heart. Like, I was so excited. Peeps, they look like actual birds, but they taste like garbage. Like, it was the worst. And then you think, oh, it's just a marshmallow. It's, not, it's just a marshmallow. No, it's not. Like, you can make a s'more from a marshmallow. You cannot make a, like, I tried to make a s'more from a Sour Patch Kid Peeps. Not the same at all. Um, this is, like, you, you thought the devil was fighting your family through culture. No, the devil's fighting your family through peeps, people. <laughs> Absolutely the worst part of Easter, because I thought it was one thing, and it was something completely different. It's suitable for the trash can. <laughs> Unless one of you want it. Does anybody want it? Want it. <laughs> there we go. Who is that? Who is that? <laughs> Let's go. Here we go. 
Let's see if I can get it to you. Oh, it just being somebody else. There you go. It, it's your stomach is a trash can. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go, Drake. That's awesome. Hey, like it's, it was just for me, it was just such a letdown because I, I thought it was going to be the most amazing thing ever, and it turned out it's just not what I thought it was. Like marriage, amen. <laughs> Like, I, 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 thought, I thought, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to have, like, a voice into this relationship. Like, like we're going to come together and have this mutual conversation, and it's going to be amazing. And then, like, the first time my wife put on something that I wasn't quite sure about, and I thought I had a voice, I realized I don't have a voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, I learned quickly that if your wife asks you, how does this make me look, the answer is always fantastic. I'm helping some men right now. This is marriage counseling. Fantastic. It's amazing. And you, then you can go from there. You can start with fantastic and then ease into other things. This is fantastic, but maybe we could do without the shoulder pads, right? Like, just, just, I just learned, I just learned early on. It wasn't quite what I, what I thought it was. Like, there's a lot of things in life where you have, like, this expectation and then you realize, oh, it's, it's a little different than what I expected. My question to you is this. Have you ever felt like what you expected from God was not what you got from God? Like you expected one thing and then what you encountered was, was different. Let me say it like this. Have you ever been offended by God? Ha has God ever rubbed you the wrong way? Because I, I've, I've been there. I, I've, I've had that experience where I, I felt like like God was a little more invasive in my life than I wanted him to be. And it offended me a little bit. It, it, it frustrated me. I, I wanted to keep him nice and in his clean, nice box. But it seems like he doesn't stay in his box. He, he starts addressing parts of our lives that we're like, it's just mind your own business. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. And, and it can rub us the wrong way. And it can offend us. And it, it can be confusing. Let me say it like this, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, if you've been living for Jesus for decades, maybe for years, or, or maybe this is, this is the first time you've been in a church in a long time and you would not call yourself a Christian, if that's the case and you just came here because someone promised you they'd buy you lunch afterwards, make them pay. <laughs> buy big. You know what I'm saying? Like get, get the thing on the menu. Like, because it's a transaction and that's fine. That's fine. If they're going to bribe you to come to church, make them pay for it. But, but here's the deal. No matter where you are on that scale, whether you've been living for them for a long time or you're not really sure, I, I think all of us have a deep sense that we could use faith in our lives, that, that faith will make a difference in our lives, that having a belief system or having faith, uh, it would help our relationships. It would, it would help our careers. It would help just life in general. And, and my question is, what do you do when the God that, or, or the faith that you're, you're hoping and pressing, believing in, what do you do when that faith that you're believing in for your relationships, for your careers, for life in general, what do you do when, when the God behind that faith seems offensive? When he rubs us the wrong way, what do you do? Because here's, here's, here's what you need to know about Jesus. Jesus pays attention to ordinary people. 
He's all about ordinary people. Now, Jesus confronts religious bullies and he criticizes spiritual know-it-alls. But to the people that are, that are messed up, Jesus is forgiving. To the people that are hurting, Jesus is a help. To people that need a counsel, he's a great counselor. To the people that, that, are, that are needing health, he's a healer. To the people that are looking for a miracle, he's a miracle-working God. Jesus is very attractive to people that are not spiritual know-it-alls and are not religious bullies. He's very attractive to them. In fact, I'll, I'll say it like this. There are certain types of people that are especially drawn to Jesus. There are certain people that just have like this pull towards him. And those are people who are desperate. People that have desperation in their life are deeply drawn to Jesus. Maybe your life is in limbo, and so you need Jesus. Maybe your financial situation is turned upside down, and you need Jesus. Maybe you moved to Idaho, and you're looking for Jesus. Maybe it's a physical need, and you're looking for physical healing. Jesus is what you're looking for. Maybe you're, you're desperate emotionally, looking for God to answer a need. He's all about it. Maybe you're looking for some sort of spiritual salve for your soul. Jesus. Jesus is all about that. Jesus is for ordinary people. And so in the Bible, there are four, we call them books, but they're very short books that chronicle or they, they record the life of Jesus. And one of them was written by a guy named Matthew. Matthew was a, a student of Jesus. He was one of Jesus' 12 students. And when Jesus died and resurrected and then was ascended into heaven, Matthew began writing down the stories of his time with Jesus. And in his book, Matthew chapter 15, it tells us a story of Jesus encountering an ordinary person. It says this, <clears throat> Matthew chapter 15, verse 22, that a Gentile woman who lived there came to him. And I think it's really important that we notice that it says that she was a, a Gentile woman. Uh, not necessarily that she was a woman, but the fact that it says Gentile is very important to the story. Because a Gentile means anyone who is not ethnically Jewish or spiritually Jewish. Like, like both. Like people... Basically, anybody who is not Jewish in, in ethnicity and faith is a Gentile. And in their world, it was very much a, a, a second-class type of situation. So in, in America, I don't know, maybe you have or have not been paying attention to our, our country over the last few years, but we've had a lot of struggles over racial tensions in our country. And it's not new, people. It's been a part of our country since the very beginning. And every nation has these issues, but it is, it is part of our story. It, it, it's, it's part of our story. And it seems like every time we as a nation try to address the issues and solve the issues, it, for a moment it seems fixed, but it always seems to boil back up, doesn't it? And, and then what happens is you got half the nation saying, there's a huge problem here. There's a huge problem. And you got half the nation saying, there's no problem here, nothing to see here. And, and you got two people talking, two just speaking points and nobody's getting along. Does this ring a bell to anybody? This is not what happened in Jesus' day. In Jesus' Jesus day, there was nobody saying, nothing to see here. 
Instead, it was universally accepted that anyone who was not of Jewish descent or faith was a second-class person in society and in spirituality. And so this woman, she is both racially and spiritually an outsider. She comes to Jesus as a racial and spiritual outsider, and here's what it says. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. Aren't you glad you came to church on Easter? We're talking about demons. <laughs> what I love about this woman is this. is She's a mama. And I'll just tell you, I live with a mama. I, I'm married to a mama. And, and here's the deal. When, when a mama's baby is hurting, nothing's going to stop mama. I, I guarantee you, this is not the first time she's gone to somebody looking for help, for relief, and for healing for her daughter. Like, like she's probably gone to the end of her, her uh, resources. She's gone as far as far and wide as she could to try to find answers to somehow save her daughter from the torment of a demon. And just by the way... We, we gloss over that in our American culture. We just say, oh, that's cute. No, like, biblically, demons and angels are real. Like, th that's a real thing. And, and so she's having this experience, and she's like, I need an answer. It's just that there is something special that happens when somebody is a little desperate for an answer. Maybe, maybe you once dated someone who was a little desperate. Maybe you was a little desperate. What I know is this, what I know is this, is that in a room this size, there are men and women, young and old, that do have a suppressed area of depression in their, of, of desperation in their life. You're putting on a good show for everybody around us, we want to look nice, we want to have our breath smell good, we want, we want to do all the things, but the truth is there's, there's often a level of desperation deep down inside that we're not sure if we can share with others. Maybe it's a deep anxiety that's, that's been just plaguing your emotions. Maybe it's that your life is just spun out of control. Maybe it's student loans are just so overwhelming, you don't know how you're ever going to get on top. Maybe it's your job situation. It's just not what you're looking for. Or maybe it's a friendship that went sideways, and now you're just hoping there would be some sort of resolution to this conflict in your life. Or maybe it's a health condition, and you just want to have some answers or names for things. Or maybe it's in your marriage, and you're trying to put on a show and hold hands and smile for everybody else, but behind closed doors, there's a level of desperation saying, we need help. Or maybe it's a financial issue that is just heavy and weighs on you every day. And you came today, maybe not at the forefront of your mind, but in the recesses of your mind with this idea that if this thing really is real, can you help? Can you help? And my question to you today would be this, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? If, if this thing really is real and it really can help, what do you have to lose? Give it a shot. In fact, I would challenge you and say, find a church, whether this one or another one, and just do everything they do for a year. What do you have to lose? 
This woman, she has to get past her pride and admit she has a problem. And admitting you have a problem is the first step. Thank you, Dr. Phil. <laughs> and here's how Jesus responds to her in the next verse. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Jesus, that's not polite. I believe Mother Mary taught you better than that. Has anybody here ever been or currently are married? Has anybody here ever raised or currently are raising a teenager? Has anybody here ever uh, had a friend in junior high? I'm so shocked by that. Like, you guys don't have any junior high friends. Like, you didn't have friends in junior high. Junior high was horrible. I agree. It was horrible. <laughs> but I think, I think everybody in the room, you've been able to identify that, that you know exactly what's going on here. Jesus is giving her the silent treatment. You know the silent treatment? That's when, when your mom decides that you're just not doing what she wants, so she stops talking to you. <laughs> it's like when you're married to somebody and you're in the middle of an argument and you, you just realize like you've been escalating the argument all the way up to like teeth clenched. I can't believe you. You're talking to your teeth and you finally realize like the only way I'm winning this argument is silence. And so you're like, I'm not talking to her anymore. And another thing, you know, it's just like it never ends. Jesus is leaving her on red. He knows what she said. He doesn't answer her, not even a word. He's not telling her anything. And here's the deal, is that when God stops talking, people begin talking. And it goes on, it says, then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. She's bothering us. I think this is hilarious. This is absolutely hilarious. These are the hand-selected people of Jesus that are going to be equipped, trained, and empowered to turn the world upside down, sent on mission to go rescue hurting and broken people. And they're saying, she's bothering us. We're trying to help broken people, and this broken people is bothering us. So annoying. Like, she's just, she's, it's, it's just crazy. It's just, like, they're supposed to be on mission, and they're bothered by her begging. And maybe that's exactly why you stopped going to church. It wasn't that you didn't believe or like or love Jesus. It was the people it was the people who said they represented him. They just didn't care about people the way that Jesus tells them to care about people. And so you said, I'm done with this. Can I just tell you that if, if you're looking for a church that has it all together, the people always get it right, the people, they, they always have the right thing to say, they have all the answers, you're in the wrong room. But if you're looking for a community that is not bothered by your questions, if you're looking for a faith community that is completely comfortable with you having more questions than we have answers, if you're looking for a place where it's okay to be rougher around the edges, if you're looking for a place where it's okay to slowly grow, if you're looking for a place where it's okay to be not okay, you're in the right place. And so Jesus... He finally answers this woman, and Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep. 
the people of Israel. He's reinforcing what she already believes about the world. She already believes she's a second-class person. And Jesus is saying, let's talk about that for just a second. I was sent to reach God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. And for some of us, when we read this, this is painful. And it reminds us of the past. In that moment when I needed God the most, in that moment when I cried out to him, asking him to reach into my life, it seemed like at that moment his response was, I'm here for someone else, not you. Like, like I was looking for hope. I was, I, was, I was on fire for God, and it felt like my prayers weren't answered. Like, it seemed like he was there for the good people. He was there for the qualified people. He was there for the religious people. He was there for the holy people. But when I needed him, he was not there. But that doesn't stop this woman. It says, she came and she worshiped him. Pleading again, Lord, help me. You just don't stop a mama bear very easily. And Jesus responded, it is not right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. Jesus, are we having a bad day? <laughs> Pastor, it's Easter, and you're preaching about demons and dogs. I brought a friend. <laughs> a little awkward. Jesus goes from giving her the silent treatment to the disciples telling her she's annoying to Jesus making it really awkward. And now what Jesus said is deeply offensive. It's deeply offensive. He says... It's not right for me to take food from the kids and give it to dogs. Now, in my family, I've got, I've got dogs. These are my dogs. Let's go. So these are, these are my, my, my two dogs. We really like this one. Everybody say, yay. We really don't like this one. Boo. <laughs> okay. So this one is Magnolia. She's my dog. And I love her because she hates birds. She hates birds. She's, she's, she hates them. And so uh, that's Magnolia. She's, she's eight years old. She's a good dog. Um, she loves me. Like if she could wear my skin, she would. Like that's, uh, I bought her because um, I didn't want a lab because labs are super like a and my wife was like, I don't want a super affectionate dog. I just want one that's there. So we got a Springer Spaniel. And then we noticed something. Her behavior is a little different. I looked it up online and it said, this dog can be described as Velcro. <laughs> it's like, like, ah. This is Range. And Ranger is, uh, he's just a mutt. He's just happy to be here. <laughs> he's just... Um, he's a good boy. These, these pictures are uh, pictures that my wife has taken to sell them on, or to give them away on Craigslist. Um, she, she just holds them over the kids like, <laughs> if you're not going to feed the dogs, take care of the dogs, clean up after the dogs, I've got Craigslist ads ready to go, you know. But here's the deal. Uh, dogs are very deceiving. At first, they're really cute, and you, you get fooled by the person on the side of the road selling a little pile of fur. And then they grow up, and by the time they've grown up and they've developed bad habits and they're, they're difficult to deal with, by that time, they're already a member of your family. 
Like they're, they're, they're us. They're, they're, they're with us. They're, they're not going anywhere. And so in our house, my routine every morning, I get up at 6 in the morning, and I go upstairs, and I yell at my kids for not waking up to their alarms. And then I go back, and I let the dogs out. And then I feed the dogs, let the dogs in, and I go back and yell at my kids again for not waking up yet. And then I go let the dogs out to go potty one, one last time, and then I go yell at the kids five or six more times until they finally wake up. <clears throat> so they eat first thing in the morning, and then they don't get fed for the rest of the day. Before you boo me and all that, they need a diet. It's good for them. They like it. And what that means is, even though they're part of the family, they don't have the same rights as the rest of the family. They, they, don't, they don't get a sit at the dining room table. In fact, in our house, our dogs are not allowed in the kitchen. If they come in the kitchen, they're going to get chased out of the kitchen. Like, they know that they can wait outside the kitchen, but they don't get to come in the kitchen. And when we're eating, our dogs definitely don't get to beg at the dining room table. And there, there's only one family member, my daughter, who they will beg from because they know that Stir will feed them a little food off her plate if, if we're not looking. Like she'll, she'll, but, but in general, that's, that's not, we don't allow those bad manners in our house. And so Jesus is, he's reaching into this woman's, he's not calling her a dog. He's reaching in and pushing the button of her greatest insecurity because she has grown up in a Jewish world her entire life believing that she's a second-class person on two levels. And Jesus reaches in. She's asking for healing for her daughter, and Jesus says, let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. Jesus will always push our buttons. It's what he does. Jesus will say this, like, like, I know you want to talk about this, but I want to talk about this. He doesn't want to talk about the issue we think is the real problem. He wants to talk about the deeper issue of our soul. And so maybe you've come to him and and you, you were pleading with him about the way that you were mistreated by those people. And Jesus, instead of dealing with that issue, what he's really going to deal with is the deep insecurity that is causing you to behave the way you behave. And maybe for you, like, you're coming to the Lord saying, I've got this financial need. And what Jesus is going to address is your personal discipline. Or, or maybe for you, like, like, like you're, you're, you're coming to him like, what's, the, what's the future? I need direction for my future. And Jesus is going to come to you and say, let's talk about the shame in your past that is clouding every decision you make. Or, or maybe for you, you come to him and you say, these are my goals and my ambitions. And Jesus is not going to talk about your goals and ambitions. He's going to talk about your calling and purpose in life. Because Jesus will always shift the conversation from what you think the conversation needs to be to the deep issues of your heart. He pushes buttons. And we are a church of small groups. So what this means is as a church, we've got a couple dozen groups that meet every single week during the weekday in people's homes. They gather, they have food, they laugh, they talk, they pray, study scripture, do whatever. But they're meeting each other. And and really, that's the only way to develop community in a church this size. You're not going to find it on a Sunday. You've got to be in a group. But here's what happens every time we do groups. For the first three weeks, 
everything is surface level. Everything is shallow, surface level. You're just concerned that people like you, that your breath smells good, that you brought the right hors d'oeuvres, right? Trying to find the right house, trying to remember how to get back there again without asking for directions a second time. But usually by week four, somebody in that group decides, I want more than surface level, shallow relationships. And somebody in that group will be brave enough to grab the mask and pull the mask off and say, this is who I really am. This is what I'm really struggling with. And these are my unanswered questions. And whenever they do that, it creates this domino effect of other people saying, this is who I really am. These are the struggles in my relationships. This is my struggle with my walk with God. And it suddenly creates a space where people are removing their masks and growing. Because here's what we learn from this woman. We either get real or we get offended. When Jesus touches the real insecurities of our life, we're either going to get real or we're going to get offended. And, and Jesus is very unique because people, people are attracted to Jesus. P people flock to Jesus. People that are hurting and needing hope and healing, they run to Jesus and he embraces them and they find freedom in him. But, but here's the deal. There's a lot of people that just are repelled by Jesus, that reject Jesus, that want nothing to do with Jesus. And what's the difference between the two? I'm just telling you, it's not age. It's not the way you were raised. It's not the part of the world you're from. It's, it's not your religious background, your economic status. It's not what kind of house you live in or where you work. The difference between people that run to Jesus and people that run from Jesus boils down to this one thing. Are you willing to get real with Jesus? Are you willing to remove the mask and say, yes, I have real problems in my life, and I need real answers in my life. I, I need you to be the savior of my life. Or are you going to turn to him and say, no, nah, I've, I've got it all figured out. I've got it all handled. I got this on my own. I don't need you. Those are the two options. When Jesus pushes the button of your life, you'll either get real or you'll get offended. And this woman's response is absolutely incredible says this on the next verse. She replied, that's true. She says, I'm not arguing with you. I do believe that about myself. I do believe, based on the way I've been raised, that I'm second class. That's true. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. She says, there's no argument here, but also I'm not leaving because your analogy has one great potential for me, and that's this, that every dog in every household has a unique right, and that unique right is this, anything that falls from the table is fair game for the dog. 
So I don't need to beg. All I need is just one crumb. I don't need to beg. All I need is for you to just do what you do and stuff's going to fall from the table. I just need you to be God. And as you do that, I will have opportunities. And she's, she's that kind of person that, that just chooses. I, like life has not worked the way I wanted it to work. And if it was working good that way, I wouldn't need you. But Jesus, I need you. And because of that, I'm not getting offended and I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here. I'm staying put. So whatever you need to address in my life, address it. Whatever you need to touch in my life, touch it. Whatever buttons you need to push, push my buttons. Whatever part of me I have to change, change that in me. So here's, so I showed you my dogs. So here's Ranger. This is Ranger. Don't do, don't do that. It's a lie, people. <laughs> He's such a little lover, but he, he can jump. He jumps as high as a deer, and he can just jump over any fence, and it's quite annoying. Um, so, <clears throat> first week of January 2021, we were buying a new house, and as we were uh, at the title agency signing, um, signing the paperwork, the gal that we were buying the house from came in to sign right after us. And when she came in, if you're here today, you looked beautiful and you looked so amazing, but she, was, she looked pretty disheveled like she had a rough morning. <laughs> you looked beautiful. Okay. <laughs> she, she looked like it was a rough morning. And we're like, we're like, what's going on? And she goes, she says, I have had the craziest morning. Well, what, what happened? She said, well, I've got this dog and I, something seemed off with the dog, so I scheduled an appointment with the vet to go get the dog checked to see if she's pregnant. And this morning, I woke up to my son coming in my room saying, hey, Mom, there's a puppy on the couch. <laughs> she said, so I went upstairs, and there's a puppy on the couch, there's a puppy in the kitchen, there's a puppy downstairs. Mama was leaving a trail of puppies through the house. <laughs> Of course, my wife is always down for a fun time. So she's like, I'll take a puppy. Like, I want a puppy. And this lady says, great, because I don't know what to do with them. You can have a puppy. And so my wife is super excited about it. And uh, the lady sends her a picture of all the puppies. And my wife chooses this orange little puppy. Very excited about it. And then um, uh, she, it takes about eight weeks before they can give you the dog from when it's born. So she's taking care of the dog, getting it its shots or whatever. But here's about two days later. So she has the dog. It was born two days later. She calls us. We've already told our kids, and our kids are already in love with this puppy. She calls us, and she, says, she said, there's a problem with your dog. We said, what's the problem? She said, well, my, my dog has never had a litter of pups before, so she's, she's just not sure how to be a, a dog mom. And she stepped on your puppy's paw, and her claw went clear through your puppy's foot. It's okay. We took it to the vet, and they stitched it up and bandaged it and put a cone on your puppy. So it's going to be okay. I just wanted you to be aware of this. Okay, no problem. The next day, she called back. She said, there's another problem. In the middle of the night, Mama Dog noticed the stitches. And she began licking at the puppy's paw 
and she removed all the flesh off the puppy's paw except for one toe that we were able to save. She said, I feel really bad. Um, if you want one of the other dogs, we can give you one of the other dogs. We can, we can make arrangements. Like the, I, I'm sorry, the dog is broken now. So we came home to our kids, and we gathered the kids around, and we said, hey, hey, guys, um, the dog that you're really excited about, there's, it's been damaged pretty bad, and it's hurting. Um, doesn't have a full foot anymore, and we're not sure. It should be okay, but it's, it's going to be different. And um, if we want a different dog, she's willing to give us a different dog. And the kids were silent for a second. And then my son... He said, Dad, if, he, if he's, he's damaged now, we have to keep him. He's broken now. We have to keep him. Like, how could we not keep him? He's, he's, he needs us now. And can I tell you, that's how God worked with me when I was broken when I didn't measure up to the religious standards, when I didn't measure up to the purity standards, when I didn't measure up to the, uh, all the things we put on our faith life, God looks at me and says, he's broken. I have to have him. He's damaged goods. I've got to take him. I'm just telling you, like, whoever told you that you're defective and God doesn't want you is a liar. God wants you how you are. And if you're in this room like that woman, desperate for the things of God in your life, he wants you. He wants you. As the band would come up, I would just say this. There is no lie as damaging in your life as the one that you can somehow get by on your own merit. It is not the gospel. In fact, Paul would say it is another gospel, a false gospel. You cannot get by on your own merit. So Jesus says, come as you are, defective, damaged goods, feeling like you are second class with a great need, come as you are. Come as you are. In the book of John, he records this. For God so loved the world, this, is, this translation says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact, God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light, and they refuse to go near to it, for fear their sins will be exposed. (laughs) 
What this passage is telling us is two things. Number one, being made right with God is not about how good you are. It is about faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's easy to be made right with God through faith in Jesus. But this passage is also telling us that there is no such thing as spiritually neutral. You're either growing towards him, walking towards the light, or you're walking away towards darkness. There is no spiritual neutral. You don't get to coast. You are either growing or you are drifting. You either get real and grow or you get offended and drift. Those are your choices. And Jesus turns to this woman. He had given her the silent treatment. His disciples had accused her of being annoying. He made it really awkward. And then he pokes at her insecurity to see how she will respond. And then Jesus says, dear woman, Jesus says to her, your faith is great, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. Because Jesus was never actually withholding from her. He was just using a moment in their conversation to deal with the real issues of her heart. And she responded by getting real rather than getting offended. You'll only see how dear you are to Jesus when you see how desperate you are without him. And this is the beauty of Resurrection Sunday is that Jesus takes everything that you and I think, do, or say that doesn't please God, all the things that separate us from God, he put them all on his shoulders, the weight of all of our sins, past, current, and future. We're all on him. And he goes to the cross to pay a price that you and I could never pay, to be made right with God. And then he descends into a tomb. He goes to the very place that you and I are most afraid of. The place that ultimately our health issues worry us about, death. The Bible says he conquers death, hell, and the grave. And it says he takes the very keys of death, hell, and the grave. He takes the authority of it away. So it has no voice in your life any longer. And he rises with all power to conquer not only the consequences of sin, but the power of sin. And he frees you with the new life in Jesus so that you can have access to God, so that those who were second class, those who were insecure, those who walked with shame can experience the goodness of God right here in the land of the living. That's good news. It's good news. So whenever Jesus rubs you the wrong way, which will be greater, your faith or your pride? Your faith 
or your pride. In the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a collection of messages on this idea. What do you have to lose? Just some next steps in growing in your walk with God. What do you, honestly, what do you have to lose from giving him an opportunity? What do you have to lose? And I would invite you to come back for that. But right now, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and I want to pray over you. Lord, I I pray right now for every man, woman, and child in this room that has been offended by you because they didn't realize that you want to talk about the deeper issues and not the shallow issues. I pray for everyone right now that has, has walked away from you because they were just frustrated by your people. I pray that you would soften our hearts to you we would be receptive to what you're doing. God, I pray that this year, for for somebody in this room, that this year would just be the greatest year of their life because they prioritize you and they make you first. They make you first. I wonder, just kind of keep this posture of prayer. My question would be this. I wonder if there's somebody in the room today that you would say, I identify with that woman, a spiritual outsider. And I don't want to be that any longer. I want to be known and accepted by Jesus. If that's you, would you just put your hand up so I can see where you are across the room? I see some bold, fast hands, unashamed. Come on, that's good. You're in a room full of people that celebrate what you're doing right now. Beautiful. If you just raised your hand, here's what I want you to do. We're going to repent and we're going to believe. Here's what repent means. Repent means we turn away from the things that we think, do, or say that don't please God. And we're going to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, his blood cleanses us from all sin. He puts us into a right relationship with him. So if you raised your hand with me, I want you to pray something like this. Make these words your own. From deep down inside, pray something like this. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. I'm sorry and I'm turning away from it now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, that he was buried, and three days later he rose again. All power in his hands. So right now I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the best decision of their life. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. 
If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.